welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me today is my lovely co-host, comic book writer and entertainment journalist, Stephanie Williams. Hi, Stephanie. Hey. I'm excited to talk Doom Patrol with you. I am too, because uh, I finally did the thing like a lot of folks did during uh, the pandemic, which is still going on in case anyone forgot. Um, <laughs> but, um I binged all of Doom Patrol because it was one of those shows that I couldn't get into at first. But I don't mm-hmm. know, like when everything else is depressing around you, then I saw it with new eyes and I was like, oh, I get it. I completely get it and I love it. So <laughs> I'm happy to finally be talking about it. And you'll introduce our guests because both of them would always engage with my Doom Patrol tweets. <laughs> yeah. So let me go ahead and do that. We have Blackter. <laughs> Justin Fraction. <laughs> oh, God, I just love it so much. <laughs> and we also have <laughs> writer and fan. Monica Breen. Hi, Monica. Hey. And I, I want the three of you to know, the three of you were the exact people I was like, okay, I got to do Doom Patrol because Stephanie, I had seen you tweeting, but you and Justin tweeting about it is actually what convinced me to like give it a shot. Because um, I feel like I always usually like the same shit the two of you like. Um, and and then Monica, you you replied to a bunch of my tweets. So I was like, oh, cool! I know exactly what I'm gonna do for this episode. Um, uh, it's so funny because I get so excited when someone discovers it. Right, I've been trying to get other people to watch it, and my friend. I think that first episode kind of. I don't know. My friends don't trust me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but so we've been doing a couple of like one-off episodes this month. Um, I'm gonna do this one the same way we did Magicians. I feel we'll go through the characters first. And then kind of touch upon the plot because this show is a lot. I feel like it falls into the same vein as like Umbrella Academy and the Magicians where like, and even Chilling Adventures of Sabrina at the start where like you kind of, the plot is kind of like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm enjoying watching. Um, And it's more about the characters, right? A hundred percent. The plots are nuts in the best way, but when I try and describe the plots to people, they look at me like I've gone mad. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to describe it and just said, just, just go, just open your mind. You know, it's funny. uh, My manager at work hadn't watched the show, but like he saw, I think we like put out, when we were putting out some books together, he saw the graphic novel and he was like, oh, I think you'd really like that comic, Ian. Like he had read the whole series uh-huh. and he told me, he was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. There's like, there's a gender queer street, which I know sounds like it could be offensive, but it's not. And I was like, wait, that's in the show too. I didn't know that was in that comic book. And he was like, wait, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so beautiful too. It Right. It really is. And I can understand how someone like hearing that would like be weary of it, but right, it's done in like the best way. And it actually is one of those things when you think about it, it actually feels true to life. There's always a community in a neighborhood (laughs) that is a sanctuary for people (laughs) and that is attacked on the outside. Like it actually felt like one of those moments where I was like, that is kind of true. Yeah. Even though it's a, street yeah even cat. yeah even though we're talking about like a sentient street it's and like even the so i guess we'll talk about danny first uh even the way <laughs> danny communicates with everyone like there's a <gasps> voice there i feel like right yeah completely completely like sort of empathetic mom yeah yeah flash, flash home <laughs> like um yeah a hundred percent like Danny was very much like would be the like house mother 
in like a community like that, right? Hundred percent. And hundred percent. And I, I just I don't know. I it's very sweet, and I like that. They have this relation, like they have a relationship with a lot of like the old, like the the folks who have been around longer than Doom Patrol. Like uh, Danny has a relationship with Niles, and even when we get Flex Mentallo, like being like, "Oh, Danny, like that's so sweet." I don't know. And oh God, when he hugged Danny <laughs> by hugging the air balloon, yes. the fancy balloon, I almost wept. <laughs> like I was just like, "Why am I so moved by a?" Man in underwear hugging a balloon. <laughs> right. It touched me. <laughs> and that, it was that. And then um, wasn't there an operative of this black guy who yes. you know, had the whole storyline of like finally being comfortable being himself? Like that, that fucked me up. I was crying the entire yeah, episode. And like that's how Duke Patrol is. You'll, you know, it'll be like this really insane thing. And next thing you know, you're crying. Exactly. And I feel like that's why it gets to do emotions that are darker than most um, comic book shows. Yeah. Everyone seems really sad and they get to go there (laughs) because they're so crazy and whimsical. Yeah. It just, and like the, even the relationship Danny has with Dorothy in season two is like also very sweet. Like Danny clearly, Danny's almost like the like really sweet step parent where like Danny doesn't want to interfere with Niles and Dorothy, but Danny also is like, well, she is, you know, technically, you know, very old and you're still treating her like an infant. Um, I don't know. And like that, I found all that really touching too. Danny did feel like the wisest of all. Yes. Yes. Um, and I guess after Danny, we'll go to, um, Mr. Nobody. Yeah. We just get right to Danny. I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like you just, that was head first. Like you right gotta break the, the folks in. Those, <laughs> I figure we'll start with the most, the wildest at the top. Um, and the, I mean, the Danny episodes are all my favorite. They're like my favorite episodes. Oh, yeah. no, same though. When Larry and Cyborg first walk into the, um, cabaret bar and it's like, there's some, I think there's some drag race queens that are, I think they're like some uh, queens from drag race that are performing and it's like Carly Rae Jepsen. And it's just like, so joyous. I, I remember the first, I was like stoned watching it and like tearing up like, this is beautiful. Wow. (laughs) Oh, I watched it last night. And when Matt Bomer is singing on stage, tears are just falling. (laughs) And I'm usually not a sucker for singing on television. I kind of get embarrassed by the yeah. <laughs> but that one, I don't know. It just was so joyful. <laughs> well, I am a sucker. I'm not going to pretend I'm not. I am. I like. They're like, oh, we're going to give a musical cue, so you cry. Ian will cry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it has to be done really well for me to cry. I'm always impressed because most of the time I'm like, oh, don't sing, don't sing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, people like us is what, yeah, that's what he was doing. Yeah, I don't even know that. Is that is is that like an actual song? Yeah, mm-hmm. Kelly Clarkson. I didn't even recognize it. But and like yeah, so oh, okay, so yeah, we all love Danny, and I love the like community. And I actually only realized this time because I watched the finale this morning um, before we recorded. They use a lot of this. They like reuse the extras. They like make it so it's the same extras. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, it's great. Which like. I don't know, Monica, you worked in TV. Is that like, cause like, right. That's not always done like that. Right. It's not always done. Cause you want, it's not always done, but when it's done, you really feel it. Like, like if everyone in the office is a different extra, it looks different 
yeah. every episode. And I don't think you internalize it, but like every time you'd see that the street, you'd see people you recognized. And I think it does, it does, it's very rare and it works gangbusters to like establish a community that feels real. Yeah. Not just background actor filled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll move on to Mr. Nobody. Um, Alan Tudyk is definitely enjoyable as a villain, and I feel like he's basically winking at the camera the whole time as he's uh, like 100%. hamming it up the entire of the entirety of season one. Um, yes, even in like the recaps, it feels like he's having fun. Yeah, yeah. I felt like he does. It made the recaps fun. Yes, I like didn't yeah, skip them a lot. Yeah. Um, and they did such a great job at figuring out how to pr- portray that character on here. I just like the special effects around him so much. Yeah. Awesome. You know, the special effects, I for it being like a strictly streaming service show and more of like, I mean, I say this with love, but it feels like more of like an underdog one, right? Like, I don't know yeah. a lot of people that were talking about it. Like, clearly the four of us really love it, but I, I didn't see a lot of other people talking about it. So I got to say, for it being that kind of show, the effects were, like, I think really well done. Oh, yeah. So well done. And, I, I mean, I'm, you know, with Peace and Love, I'm not always the biggest fan of the DC world. <laughs> and it's the one that I felt like it, it looked like a piece of art. Yeah. And it always Agreed. does. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just so careful, like, the colors, and it's just pretty to look at. Yeah. There's a scene with Diane... Uh, where she's running up a hallway and there's puzzle pieces coming out of the door. I mean, how did they afford that? That looks fantastic. I forgot I was watching Doom Patrol when that happened. Not in like a bad (laughs) way, but just because of just the cinematography in that moment. I was just like, oh, wait, I am still watching this show. Yes. I mean, it's it's really beautifully rendered. Because sometimes it's like they do a good job of like they dull down the colors when they need to, but they don't always Mm -hmm. keep it dull they're like not afraid for it to also be vibrant i mean like when we see uh danny or even mr nobody you know his colors it's like the way he's like see-through and the the blue like it looks cool it really looks cool i mean it just it doesn't ever have an effect that i'm like ah that took me out of it yeah i appreciate it yeah because sometimes it does yeah even on stuff I've written. So there you go. <laughs> Don't throw yourself under the bus. Uh, in my head, that looked good. <laughs> um, Stephanie or Justin, do you have any? I, I will say the only thing is like, I remembered having a trading card of Mr. Nobody. Cause I remember like him looking cool. I don't have any comics background. I don't know if either of you have a comics background on him or any of the characters. I knew nothing about this team. Period. <laughs> like, Same. you know, I was like Marvel, all that stuff. I, I, I knew Justice League, but then they said, we're going to do a show called Doom Patrol. And I'm like, who? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I knew of them, and that was from, like, some research that I was doing on um, Dr. Karen Beecher, a.k.a. Bumblebee, because for a moment, she was with them when she was, like, stuck in B-size. So, like, I remember a little bit of that, but outside of you know, outside of them, like, yeah, I, these characters, um, no, I know next to nothing about them outside of like Cyborg. Um, but I will say that from the show, it made me want to go back and read the comics because the Same. way these characters have been presented, I'm like, oh, like, I really like this. Like the, mm-hmm. 
the the superheroes who aren't really actually superheroes. They're just people who um, have these extraordinary abilities or for some of them abilities that they wish they didn't have, who um, are deciding to do something with them, uh, either for whatever motivations or like reluctantly, but still getting the job done while dealing with the stuff that they have to like, I don't know, like these are stories that I just really gravitate towards um, and really appreciate. So shout out to this show for actually making me like go seek out Doom Patrol comics. Yeah, yeah no, it, I started doing research on it too because I wanted to see like, is this in, is this in the property or is this yeah. just a TV? <laughs> right. <laughs> this has actually come out. And so, yeah. And yeah, the comics actually like been around for a while um but yeah i knew i literally knew nothing about it um yeah and it's it's definitely a weird choice but it ended up being like a great choice for them to pick as a show like i i I wonder how that came about like who like was the first one to be like let's pitch this it's gonna be weird as shit and we're just gonna like lean into it um because as you said monica with peace and love i also am not always a fan of all the dc stuff um but this is just so different even though you know i saw a lot of comparisons to umbrella academy and i get it but like doom patrol came first um like the comic did yeah and it's while they're alike i don't feel they're like so much alike that it feels one is really ripping off the other it's just like also we're getting like traumatized superheroes right that's kind of but like well done Uh uh-huh and I actually finished Doom Patrol, and I didn't finish Umbrella, Umbrella Academy. <laughs> Not like no shit, like no Sade or anything like yeah, that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I do say check it out if you uh, can get through because I think I think it's really good. But um, this I mean the show is just yeah. So okay, so we're gonna keep going. Uh, Flex Mentallo, I will say at first I was like. Ugh. I'm I'm so proud of myself for not being that gay that's charmed by the muscle guy in swimwear. And then by then by like halfway through his first episode, I was like, I'm in love with him. He's such a sweet himbo. <laughs> He's so sweet. He's so sweet. And when he hugged his his yes. lover and she disappeared, I was so broken. Yeah, like him. oh yeah. That was like truly heartbreaking. Yeah. Ah. I'm like, oh, and the flexy orgasms. I can't. Oh my God. I, you know what? But <laughs> to be in the writer's room during whatever those few days or whatever was to just kind of like write that out. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I am in awe because they make it work. It, <laughs> even with yeah. Rita, like, they really made that work um, in the way like they just kind of. Tied in, tied it into her trauma and the stuff that she was dealing with. It was so outlandish and absurd, even the sex demon stuff. That when it came to like talking about, you know, um, you know, her trauma and the stuff that she saw with her mom and all of that, no. it made sense. And it made I don't know, like for whatever reason, I was able to like receive that better uh, than if they just would have came like head on, like yeah. So she's like this because she had to deal with, you know. Seeing her mom, uh, you know, open up her legs to get this role or whatever, right. yes. whatever. But it just, um, it works. Like this show, as as absurd as it gets, um, it really makes those moments where you like, you know, need to have some emotion to connect with these characters. Like they just hit in a way that is just so interesting to me. Because like, how do you go from like roaches and rats? 
making out to like <laughs> making me cry. Like how do we how do we get here? But in a strange way, one of the things I realized rewatching it was like superheroes just are weird. Yeah. They're a weird yeah. group. And in a world where someone could melt things with their hands, why couldn't a roach talk? Right. No, you're right, Monica. No, you're right. Like it actually feels like, yeah, if you had superheroes wandering about, the world could, why wouldn't there be talking animals and yeah. sentient streets? I, I mean, you're right. If like you can light your hands on fire and be fine, then sure. Give us <laughs> sentient cockroaches and rats. Why not? Right. <laughs> <laughs> which one is more ridiculous i don't know <laughs> um but yeah the and even like a character like flex mentala who's just kind of like a dumb dumb when he's introduced but like they give him like a story and like yeah when his wife is thanos snapped away jesus oh, christ man. like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but then like that orgasm scene is it is, it's hard to tell anyone who hasn't watched this show how well it's done because I realize it sounds so fucking stupid, but right? It's fucking it's hilarious. So well <laughs> when Robot Man fakes an orgasm yeah. to feel like part of that, <laughs> I was just delighted. I was just like, oh my goodness. My favorite part is how Jane, like mid orgasm, is yelling, I'll fucking kill you to flex me <laughs> down. <laughs> so true to her character, though. Yeah. I really appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, and also, yeah, I... Stephanie, ha- Stephanie mentioned the pitching that in the writer's room. Monica, how do you think that, like, went? <laughs> I mean, I get... It's so funny. I worked with um, Chris Dingus. He's a writer I worked with for four weeks and he's on, he's the, he's one of the EPs on the show. And I remember thinking this is the funniest, most fucked up human being I've ever worked with. Like his jokes were nuts. And there were times where we'd be peeing in the writer's room with his inappropriate humor. And I was so grateful that he found because he would pitch the weirdest things on the show we were on, and we'd all have a hearty chuckle and move on. To <laughs> and I was so grateful that he got a place to land where those ideas can like grow and flourish. Because I do think as writers, there are always those moments where you're like, okay, I'm going to pitch something nutty. And in the back, like I remember I have pitched elderly superheroes for a very long time in my career. I think the idea of elderly superheroes was compelling and sad and but you have to have someone who wants to run with it yeah right and finding that is really hard and so when you have a showrunner and a show that can sort of take those ideas and just let them be as weird and surreal as they can be that's so rare but it's so special because it never goes that way yeah all my favorite pitches that come from a place of surreal nuttiness just go away at some point in the network (laughs) noting process um, so yeah i think um you know they clearly had supportive executives <laughs> i mean you had to like they had butts eating like that, yeah oh yeah that's evil, right <laughs> evil that's- ass <laughs> with yes. which you know what um when that moment happened that's why i was just like i don't care what else this show does this this will forever be my favorite show because, again, <laughs> to be able to pitch that 
and <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, let's do that. Um, like that has to be a dream. I, I, I don't know. Like I was so envious because what a moment. <laughs> like there's so many moments on this show where I'm like, holy shit, you got away with that. <laughs> and it made like, sense. <laughs> on top of that pug with the writing on it that was just like who doesn't love pugs <laughs> <laughs> so um i guess we'll move on to dorothy i i felt like season two was kind of her season yes yes which i could see someone like not like someone who hasn't watched season two might be like oh but i don't even know that fucking character but they do it in such a like ah it lands. I think I DM Justin 800 times being like, I want this sweet Neanderthal child just to have like a good day. <laughs> oh my gosh. And starting her off at the freak show. Yeah. I thought it was such a beautiful introduction. Yeah. And yeah. that actress is fucking crazy good. Yeah. She's so good. And like, so good. Candlemaker in that first episode that she's really in freaked me out so that and i don't usually get like that and that i actually thought i was like wait do i recognize this voice actor because he was so good um but I, he wasn't someone that i recognized when i looked him up but like <laughs> the the voice acting uh for candlemaker is like really intense yes. and then when you see yeah. him it's like I expected it to be like, oops, she accidentally ends up kill. I mean, she kills one of like Jane's personalities, but I definitely yeah. was worried that with Candlemaker, it'd be like, oops, she's going to accidentally kill one of the crew and it will be yes. a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, I, it's weird to say that like season two is her season because she's not, I don't know, but I, I it didn't bother me. Did it bother anyone that she becomes no. like, no. no, but I also felt like it was also the season of chief. Yeah. 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 Well, I and guess it was interesting to have such like because he's he's an awful human being. Mm-hmm. Right? He is. He is Charles Xavier um, <laughs> without the veil. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's intense. Like when you start adding up all the shit he's done. Yeah. yeah. And yet his face is so sweet. <laughs> he does seem like he cares. So you're like, I don't know how to feel about you. I think, <laughs> I think the show is at its core about evil dads who mean well. Yeah. You know, Stephanie, I knew, I knew, I was like excited to hear you talk about Niles Calder because I was like, he's like a worse Xavier. And then I was like, in my notes, I put, <laughs> Steph will be able to talk on this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, something about a character who has um, like a mansion um, and puts folks up for room and board and has them <laughs> like do things in service for him. Um, but I just appreciate that he was able to like be shitty in the open versus like Charles is also shitty in the open, but it's. I don't know, like people sometimes often don't catch it right away because it's, yeah. it's Charles Xavier. Right. Um, but for him, like there is no masking. In, and I just, I don't know, like just really enjoyed it because like he lit- he does mean well. You can see that he does, but yeah. just because he means well doesn't mean it's good for everyone. Because like what he does to, uh, uh, what is his name? R- robot. What is uh, Brendan Fraser's Cliff. character, Robot? Yeah, yeah Cliff. Cliff um, yeah. I mean, damn. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> Caused all of it. So yeah, I I, I'm really I'm really impressed. They let him be as bad as he was. Yeah, be the center of the team in a strange way. Yeah, I I do feel like um, a different show would have been a little afraid to go there with like 
the central person who got the team together with making them so fucking awful. And, you know, we get a little bit of, oh, he did it to protect his daughter. It's like, yeah, but he still ruined these people's lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. It reminded me of, I've been in writer's rooms where we've literally had an argument. If your son raped someone, would you protect them or not? Oh, and one mother said to me, of course I would. I'd send him to Mexico. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, it's my son. <laughs> Anything to save my son. And I realized for some people, parenting is doing whatever it fucking takes to help your kid yeah. at the expense of anyone else. Mm-hmm. I think that's weird. Yeah. That movie, The Lie. Uh... <laughs> I love him. We'll get him help and turn him in. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, but, I also, but it was interesting because it just reminded me of that debate. What's fair to do for your own kids? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, we even meet Dorothy and we love Dorothy, but like, I still didn't want him, wouldn't have wanted him to like do what he, like, technically he murdered Cliff's wife, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not technical. He murdered Cliff's wife. <laughs> You're like, there's not nothing technical about that. No, no. He put, he put people through awful, awful things. And it's weird because Stephanie don't hate me, but I like, I still do like Niles. Like I still. Yeah. I actually still like him too. No, (laughs) no, I still, I don't. So it's even with Charles Xavier, like I don't, I do. I hate the character. Yes. But I still love (laughs) the character because it's just very interesting that, you know, when these characters are presented in a certain way, what we are willing to turn a blind eye to um, and just sort of kind of excuse away in the things that they do. So um, I find both Niles and just Charles just interesting in that way. But no, like I want to punch Niles in the face, but also at the same time, I wouldn't watch June Patrol if Niles wasn't characterized the way that he is. So um, no, we're, we're fine. You know, it's possible to see (laughs) you still want to like, fight things that you love like that's still like it's still yeah you can be feel like you know conflicting feelings but um doesn't mean that you hate it um sorry twitter please put your tweet away um because <laughs> i mean that's this whole podcast right like i'll still yeah. talk about things i love but like and you know some <clears throat> sometimes people will get mad and it's like no but I-, I love the thing i'm just you know pointing out things that maybe piss me off about it but like yeah still love it you can still and it's like it's uh, it's like people who really love Walter White. Oof. Oof. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> he's kind of a dick, but sure. Like, I mean, yeah, I do think Chief is like an interesting character because he's like sometimes, sometimes they'll sell it like, oh, but he had to. He had to make the hard choices. This never feels like that. Yeah, he no. didn't have mm-hmm. to do this because even. Even the even the guy who um whose name I can't remember the guy who's with the original Doom Patrol who's like keeping tabs on them Joshua Clay Joshua Clay when they show that flashback between him and Niles um I think it's it's either in like the second to last or last episode of season one he says to him like oh, okay we've lined up he's like talking about how they lined up the thing that's going to happen to Larry because the Rita Farr thing has already happened and he even says like where's the line because I don't see it anymore um and like. I don't know. I, I, I yeah. think that's like interesting. A completely interesting. And chaotic. And, yes. <laughs> you know, like all of this planning to like ruin these people's lives so that you can do your thing for the, what you believe is the the greater good as well. Like that, 
that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> as hell. Uh, and the fact that you still have feelings of like you might find yourself kind of sympathizing with Niles. Um, but then you're like, but wait, no, he's actually really terrible. Like I, I, I don't know. Like that's interesting character work to me um, to have me like, like I know I'm supposed to hate this character, but I don't yeah. all the way. Yeah. No. Yeah. And they do that very well with a couple of other characters too. That's, I mean, with the exception of like Jane, who I don't put any blame on yeah. anything that she's going through on, but like Cliff is not a nice person. Larry, even if you take away the whole closeted gay man thing, he's still not a nice nope, person. Not a nice Rita's person. Rita's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, Actually, let's uh, let's go to Jane uh, next. I one, I think that actor is fucking phenomenal. She's so good. She's so great. She blows my mind every episode, and also has a really good podcast in real life about mental illness. Oh, really? Word. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. She has this wonderful podcast where she interviews people about different issues in mental health. That I've just I've gone on a deep dive about her. Oh, Ooh, I'm gonna have to get into that. Oh, yeah. It's really good. There's a wonderful interview with Eric Andre. Like, it's interesting when you think about her sort of drive to destigmatize and talk about mental illness, yeah. and then watch this character, hmm. which is like so beautifully done. Yeah. So yeah, it's Diane Guerrero, um, and I first like heard of her on Orange Is the New Black. Um, really, and I'm glad she got put in a vehicle like this because it's. Mm-hmm. Eh, I, I don't know if we. I, I won't get into Orange is the New Black, but I definitely gave up on that show. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm glad to see her in this. I'm glad someone like her getting work. Oh, yeah. And she, like, it's weird because I remember the first time we saw Baby Doll, I was like, wait, I hate this. But, like, <laughs> then it's like, it makes sense. You're supposed to feel yes. weird about this adult yeah. woman talking like a baby, right? Like, that's that's the effect it's supposed to have on you. She has to do it so many times and try to come up with different ways to act but still be herself and i'm like she's just awesome yeah uh, and there are the scenes where she she's one character destroying something and then another character catches her right yeah. and in one moment her entire face changes and yes. you know oh she's someone new i just i have, I have lots of where love is her for- golden globe <laughs> seriously yeah. <laughs> you know like it's a shame that they don't they don't respect genre as much yeah. as they yeah. do. Yeah. Some of the performances so much better. Yes. <laughs> so much better than just I am poor woman building a farm or whatever. Like yeah. you know, the level <laughs> of commitment she brings and I don't know. Cause she's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually really like, I'm not normally a big fan of like, you know, X-Men does this a lot where it's like, Oh, we're traveling into that person's mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't always love those like plot devices, but I think they do it really well because I love that, you know, on the outside, she's it's still Diane Guerrero's face, but like when she's on the inside, everyone has their own, you know, look and different oh, face. That was so smart. Yeah. 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 I thought that's like immediately more interesting than it could have been if they just made them all her. Like that would have been more like, eh. and it feels like the stakes are high too, right? Like, her personalities start dying and it's like, Oh shit. Like, right. And they're, they're so in conflict and so scared. And I just, I've always read that, that the big, when personalities sever, it's very, it is common for someone who'd been sexually molested as a child to sever personalities so that different people can take different parts mm-hmm. of the experience and you yeah. don't experience it as a whole. 
and the fact that they did that and gave each one a separate superpower yeah. kind of creatively blows my mind. Yeah. Like you took something so real and depressing, kind of took it in another direction. Honestly, I also am a very, I think I'm a very hard sell on is having any kind of like rape or molestation mm-hmm. in a story. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you, Monica. They did it so well here that I was like, okay. But oftentimes I find myself, and I, I feel like usually it's like when it's written by a dude where it just feels very like, why are, why are you doing this? Like, why are these why characters? Why does she need to be raped? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have that feeling a lot. <laughs> where I'm like, well, why does she have to be raped now? Right. But yeah. And I also think it, it never showed anything. You know, right. And then you mm-hmm. knew, like, it was a conduit to everything that followed afterwards, but it wasn't, it wasn't the singular issue. Like, it wasn't played in the right. way that you're talking about that I can bristle at as well. They, the way that they handle it is the same way it's handled in Birds of Prey. Uh, when they're at that cabaret and they're trying to, like, you know, sell the point home that Black Mask is a really terrible human. Mm-hmm. And they imply it, but they imply it in a way that is similar to the show where they don't, they just show just enough to let your mind do the rest, yep. which I appreciate because um, you sh- like my, my imagination is probably way worse than anything they could have put on the screen, but also like it doesn't take you out of the scene because if they would have did it there would have took me out of the scene. And then for um, Jane, like it just would have, I don't, I don't know. Like it would have took the show somewhere it didn't need to go. Um, right. So, and I, I appreciate that. Just there's there's ways to talk again, talk about traumatic things, but not do it in a way that is just um, careless. Yeah. Yeah, because I think one Jane is such a strong character on so many levels that they held it back long enough that it didn't define her. Yes. Either. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so her relationship with Cliff. So I guess we'll go into Cliff. I I say this with love, but I think Cliff is maybe my least favorite character. Really? Yeah. I Sometimes he's a little bit too much of just yelling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I still enjoy him. Um, and I, I do like his character design. I like the like... I, <laughs> um, so knowing me, uh, I always think... What's that guy look like under that suit? Because I bet he's my type. <laughs> That's like Riley all I think. Because <laughs> he's like lanky. He looks like he could be like, I mean, this is how the robot dresses. Well, I'm like, ooh, he looks like he could have been in a punk band in high school. Like, that's usually the type of guy I go for as an adult. Because <laughs> I am very predictable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so Cliff, I... I will, I think we mentioned this before, but that first episode is a, doesn't feel like it really embodies the show because it's so cliff centric and it's so dark mm-hmm. that I, mm-hmm. I remember watching the first episode and being like, eh, I don't know. But then after that was when I was like, oh no, I'd love this. So also like he yells too much, but also his shit with his daughter like really pissed me off. He's not a good dad either. No, he's mm-hmm. not. He's <laughs> not a good dad either. When he like, ruin is it like i think it's like her bridal shower right and he fucking yes. ruins yeah. it i for me i was like how am i supposed to feel about this because i started to make me fucking hate him i felt a little better that because you know with stuff like that i do i am very like okay it's up to it's, if the person forgives them then and the daughter <laughs> did seem to forgive him 
So I was like, okay, but I don't know that I would have like, I don't know. He was such a prick about that, that it really. What I like is that he is the alpha male that in other shows, they justify his behavior. They don't try and make him seem like, oh, he was fighting for his daughter. No, he's a dick. He ruined (laughs) the day. That's not cool. You know what? That's um, that's a good assessment because it is like the show, show doesn't try to make it look like he's doing a good thing. It's like the show's right. like, yeah, he's being a dick. No, and remember when they were little and he went, he would go off to kill rats. Oh yeah. And then, like at one point, he comes in wearing the skin of the dead rat. I feel like occasionally he's super <laughs> scary. Like he's almost <laughs> like in another world, he could have been the super villain. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's not smart enough. No. No, he's not. (laughs) But I'm happy Brendan Fraser's back. I always liked him, and then he disappeared for a while, and I couldn't figure out why. I mean, as everyone on Twitter, I grew up and loved The Mummy as a kid. So, like, same. Yeah. No, I mean, I just love uh, Brendan's voice work so much. Mm. It's just such an 80s NASCAR driver, just (laughs) cheats on his wife. Drinks a lot, smokes a lot, like that. That's the guy, you know. And, and so Cliff, he probably isn't my favorite character. That's those are like Rita and Larry. Yeah. But with Cliff, I think they do such a wonderful job with him, even though he's not somebody that I totally focus on. Especially his relationship with Jane, yes. which I love too. Yeah, I want to say as that his relationship with Jane really started to evolve. That is when I really started to um, care for his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was worried. I think, what is it like the second episode or third episode when him and baby doll have that interaction? I was like, oh, is he going to be a fucking creep? But oh, then he yeah. wasn't. Oh, no. <laughs> he wasn't. And he like really isn't with her, which no. I appreciate too. Because I feel like another show might have just been like, oh, look, we're going to like force a romance here. But he's just protective of her. He's not like. I am so grateful they don't force romances. I was just getting ready to yeah. say that. <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm so happy they don't they don't do that at all because at first I thought they might do that with um God what is her name um Rita but they don't mm-hmm. I thought I think it was like Rita and Larry but I'm like but Larry's gay like we that's yeah we know that right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I don't need romance here no, no. Yeah. I actually well, don't want it that's the and thing if you, like. In superhero groups, yes. when they do romance, it's just kind of punning the pretty girl off on a different character. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> you know what? When you start, I was I was about to say, Monica, especially like I'm a hard sell on romance often, but especially in superhero stuff, I almost like never need it. I mean, uh, uh, we talked about WandaVision, but that's kind of the only one that's worked for me. Yeah. And yes. I feel like part of it too is like they're not there's these characters are so flawed, the last thing they need is to get laid and bring someone else <laughs> right. They just, they just need to deal with their own shit. They're not ready to love. Am I, <laughs> am I a superhero? What's going on? <laughs> now I will say that um for season two it was a nice little surprise for me with um Cyborg and like the sort of love interest that they Ronnie. introduced with Ronnie because I'm like, wow, so we got two disabled black characters. We're not gonna really we're not gonna focus and make that a thing. Um, in a way that like takes away from their agency, but no, we're going to highlight that and show them both, you know, being a, a vulnerable with one another, accepting, yeah. and all of that. And I just thought that that was really beautiful. Like I was obsessed 
with their whole thing. And I did not see that coming. Um, and then when I learned- He's the best cyborg of oh all. Oh my God, yes. Hands down. I will fight someone on that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I will throw hands. Um, Javion Wade is just, I don't, like he encapsulates a live action cyborg in a way that I didn't think was possible, but like he, he gets it. Also, he's really so, cute. And young. And really young and sweet and- Again, really shitty dad. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, let's talk about Cyborg because also I have a crush on him too, Stephanie. And I was because okay, yeah. <laughs> every time he had on those sweatpants, I was like, my eyes would like wander. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Yeah, Weirdly, cool. <laughs> I like he has like a slight lisp, and I find it like so charming and cute. Like, yeah, I love the way he talks. <laughs> And I was worried because in one episode, um, Cliff calls him like a tween. And I was like, oh my God, am I crushing on a character that's supposed to be like 13? What the fuck? But I was like, oh no, he's just being a dick when he says that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like worried. I was, I was worried it was like a Riverdale thing where like, oh, they're casting this like hot 24 year old, but actually they're supposed to be 15 on the show. <laughs> right. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think Joyvon Wade does such a great job with his American accent. I had no idea he was British. I wow. know yeah. the news to me. Didn't I, I know. not know that? <laughs> and this key is impressive. Yeah. Wow. And wow. I, I didn't think the character would fit here at first, but because I don't think he's originally part of the team. No. Uh, I think that's a uh, Beast Boy. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was Beast Something Boy. Something like that. But uh, I just, I didn't like him in the first season, but by the second season, I was just. Everything he did, I was interested in. I just yes. love that he took on this role of helping Rita too, yes. which I think is awesome. Well, and again, like you said, there was wasn't a romance. It was like he was just helping her because they're like teammates, and they, you know, I, I cyborg, like relationship. cyborg. I will say in season one, his like, and Stephanie and I talked about this before recording. His relationship with his dad was a little like it felt like, eh. but in season two, his relationship with Ronnie, I felt like. That was like immediately very interesting and very mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stephanie, you listed all the reasons why it was very different immediately than normal relationships in a show like this. And like, I also liked Ronnie, even though she kind of like betrayed him in the I end. But like, loved Ronnie when she yeah. betrayed him. I was like, yes, please give me more <laughs> of this because. Um, to me, like in season three, if they continue with this, um, that works to Cyborg's benefit um, as far as like his character development, because he, Cyborg has always reminded me of a Batman in a way where, you know, like Batman is just like, Selena, stop stealing so that I can love you. Um, <laughs> he, he's like similar in that way, very methodical, um, you know, uh, black and white type of thing. And like with Ronnie, you see her kind of like changing that about him or at least making him think outside of right. Like this is black and white, like very binary and right and wrong. So like if he were to like forgive her or try to figure it out, even though she betrayed him, I'd be like, you know what? Right. You got a fan for life. (laughs) I, I kind of hope that's what happens actually. I do too. I don't, well, let me not get my hopes up, but I hope so. Also, like, it was just really cute to see their relationship. Like, one, we really don't get to black characters who mm-hmm. are in any kind of relationship in these, oh, yeah. in this type of genre mm-hmm. shows, but for them, for her, also for her to like 
pass the paper, the I mean uh, the paper brown uh, bag test like to be darker than one. On top of that, um, yeah. I was oh, like, wow, yeah. we're y'all are doing this, okay? And the fact that they don't really tie like their whole relationship isn't like this. I don't know, like we're commiserating and misery or anything like that. Like it starts off a little bit like that, but then it evolves into something else that I could just really appreciate. Like I just, I love it. <laughs> I love hearing you stand. <laughs> and I never go so this hard for this type of thing. Their first love scene was so beautiful yes. and sweet and and just like it's so tender. So tender, and for characters that play sadness so well and longing so well to actually have a sex scene that wasn't just like, oh, hot sex. I know. But just carried all that in and was so, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect that story, and I was so pleased with it and so happy for him. <laughs> Even when Monica- she broke his heart, I didn't care. I was just like, whatever. Because that episode wow. prior <laughs> – um, where like the love bugs or whatever it was um, infected everyone. I ate that shit up. That was probably yeah. my f- favorite episode between them. Cause I'm like, I know this isn't going to end up being a thing because like, you know, they're infected or whatever, but just give me more of this, please. Like <laughs> more of this, like this, that was my moment in like romance novels that I love and comic books meeting and like meeting and conversion at the same time. So like I was in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Stephanie, I have never heard you talk like this about something and it's making me very fucking happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, Next to comic books, romance novels are like right, right there. So in this comic series that I'm writing, Uh y'all are about to get all of the, (laughs) all of the gay romance that you can handle. (laughs) Ah, love it love to hear it um so i guess we'll go on to uh justin you mentioned and i agree larry and rita are kind of my favorite characters yes they're yes their friendship you know i've been thinking a lot about this um with a lot of shows lately um i talked about this on our episode on the magicians which i know you watched justin i don't know monica Mm -hmm. or stephanie if you guys um i thought margo and elliot were such a perfect portrayal of like gay guy straight girl like best friends that truly love each other and they're like very confident in their love and larry and rita were another really good portrayal of that dynamic like you never felt you knew what it was from the start and they just you know when we we get that really tender episode where like she's talking i think i think it's a flashback right it's like when he first got stuck in whatever and she's talking to him and she I, and, and, you know, she is really uptight. She's this, like, old-school, like, famous actress. And, like, the second episode, she's yelling, like, I am a Golden Globe-nominated actor. <laughs> and, like, storms <laughs> off from the, like, where they are. And But we, we get to see her be tender, and I think that's a really nice... I don't know. I, I've been thinking a lot about that and how we didn't often get that dynamic done so well. Buffy was kind of the first time that I saw that dynamic of like, you know, Buffy and Willow were best friends and she was, you know, very much queer and Buffy was very much straight, but they like clearly loved each other. And I love seeing that. I love non-romantic relationships in general, but I especially love it between like a queer person and a straight person. Um, I'm always interested in that dynamic. 
And I think they really nail it here. Uh-huh. And they don't even have to state it directly. You just yeah. see it. Their, their performances are so great. Oh, Matthew Zuck and Matt Bomer and April Bulby. Yeah. Uh, and Rita herself, I mean, just, oh. Because her issue was that uh, they pointed out one of her negative aspects was that she didn't like things that were, there was a person on set and he was disfigured. Right. And yeah. she wanted him removed. Arm. Yeah. And so that happens to her eventually. But now one of her closest friends is Larry Trainer, who was really handsome. And now he's disfigured. Right. So all of that working together. And they were there before everyone else, I believe, too. Yeah. Yeah, and they've had this long friendship, and they even live end up living together at one point at the end of the first yeah. season or second season. Oh, yeah. Right when they but, went away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's just perfect. I I just love them. Yeah, she's no, quietly supportive of so, everything. I kind of love that this show really, just in general, undercuts the idea of physical beauty all over. Yes. The place. Yep. Yeah. All over the place, and um. And I didn't even think about it, but the most, the two most beautiful people were then disfigured and now best friends. But yeah. they don't hit that. That's interesting. That character, they're all so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Justin, you told me this that Larry, his character, Negative Man, is not gay in the comics. Oh no, he's not. Right? They decided for the show that, that I mean, it made him much, much more interesting and gave him actual things to do. Yes. But for the comic, no, he wasn't gay at all. You know, uh, I mean, I'm always going to like love a depressed gay character because, you know, but I, you know, that episode when he goes to visit his like former boyfriend who is now like very elderly, I wept through like all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, this whole story. Yeah. It was just so well done and so well written. And, you know, it's not when he goes to visit him, it's, it's very muted. It's just kind of like. That he doesn't have a big fight with him. They just kind of are like, okay, let's talk. And they just like, and when he carries him out, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I think the thing is with those two characters, like negative man, Larry, he sort of froze himself in time about what would have happened had he decided to leave his wife and just be with John. Right. But meanwhile, when he meets him later on, John's had a whole life. Yeah. Yes. Made, yeah. John had people we loved. He had friends and he was okay. Yeah. And Larry missed out on all of that. So when they have that muted moment together where he's just there for him, I'm like, wow, Larry, you must feel really depressed now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that brings up a really good point, Justin, though. I another I, I feel like any other show might have had it be that, oh, John spent his life pining for Larry and wasted it all oh, waiting. Yeah. Yes. And yes. it was nice to see that that wasn't like, of course, he was still happy to see Larry and he didn't really have shitty feelings towards him he kind of because he had moved on and that was so nice to see he wasn't this like elderly gay man dying waiting for his lover to come back he was like good right yeah but then it's interesting that his son was the elderly man who was sad his whole life oh yeah yeah Um, which i also appreciated not that i appreciated that he was right (laughs) but that the the wreckage wasn't was more his kids yeah. Um, Which I think probably makes sense, right? Like, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Parents are the ones that fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Boyfriends are fine, you know? Yeah, <laughs> come and go. <laughs> um, I also, there's there's a moment in, I think it, I, I just read, I did a bunch of, like, I did, like, random episode rewatch. I can't remember if it's the first or second, when Larry and Rita, as a second episode, because um, Jane is fighting with Cyborg and Cliff, 
And Larry goes to Rita's room. And he's like, do you want to step outside? And they see the fight happening. And she's like, I could use some air. And they're like, we don't need to get involved. Like, and it's so good. They're on the same wavelength with that. I love it. Justin, somehow that would be me and you if we like. It in. would. Yeah. Just uh, look at that. Uh, how's it going? Uh. Justin would be like, we're going outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess we'll like a little bit talk about the seasons again. I My like timeline is all over the place. I'm can someone say what Mr. Nobody's motives were because I'm not sure. <laughs> I thought it was just to fuck with them. Yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah. vengeance and pride and kind of just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was okay yeah, with. So, like, like your girlfriend yeah. left you and you have a chip on your shoulder. <laughs> 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 but, but I do he is an enjoyable villain to watch. We start off like they go for weird right at the start of the show because we get that goat that has like the portal to another dimension. It's I think Cyborg says specifically in his throat, right? Like yeah. that's where the the like whatever is. And, you know, that was kind of the, my first notion that was like, wait, I think I do love this. Like, this is fucking weird. They travel like they I'm not even sure when it's like they when they get trapped in that like other dimension when Cliff and Jane do. Um, and there's those people that worship. I forget who do they worship as a god. Oh, I was just yeah. watching that. I? Is it? I I just remember that older woman coming in who feel felt like someone I would know from New Jersey, and she's like, "The only god I believe in is Springsteen, and I've spit on him twice." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were in the um, snow globe. Yeah, oh, oh the snow globe, the right. decreator. Yes. The decreator. Yes. Trying to. Yes, which was the pug. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> This is why you can't explain the show to people. Right? Like, how this sounds like nonsense. It sounds like we're making it up. Um, the first time my husband and I watched it, we were really high. And I was like, is this happening? Is this happening? And I watched it straight, and I was like, it was happening. And it's a good fit. It's a good fit being high. Because you're not thinking about it. You're just like, wow, okay, go for this. I, I will say that's, I think, how I watched most of the show. And yeah, yeah. just like... You're like, all right, fine, sure. Yeah, great. Well, <laughs> you just like go with I it. had this weird reaction because the thing about this show is it hits things I love that other people don't love, like freak shows and mm-hmm. circuses and pugs and talking <laughs> roaches. Like there are all these <laughs> random shit that I love that I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you have a talking roach. I love that. Monica, I love a talking roach being something specifically that you love. <laughs> well, it's funny. I grew on up your vision board. And roaches and mice were a thing you dealt with on the regular. And so, like, I've always sort of thought people don't pay enough attention to the roach. And I was really grateful. It was the first roach I was invested in outside of SpongeBob, like the little roach that sticks at the table. <laughs> <laughs> I love the scene with the little with the baby mouse crossing the street with his mama. Oh yes, oh yeah. And <laughs> he gets over and that gets the whole thing. I'm like, I love this show. <laughs> yeah, it's so for me. They they took the Batman origin story into that, which I I don't know. Like that's the one that I thought of it, and I loved it. <laughs> 
didn't even think of that, but it is the bad <laughs> It is. <laughs> and I think that was another moment that's so me because I'm like, wow, they're really gonna like do this little B, like this B or C plot of this rat yeah. wanting to get revenge. And I just I love everything about this. It's little stuff like that that this show does, even with the guy who um, I think it's like second episode or whatever, where they go to, I think, find Mr. Nobody, but the guy is going to get like altered and changed in some way. He ends up getting a raptor attached, attached to his body. Oh, oh yeah. animal, mineral, vegetable man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Played by Alec Mappa. Yeah. And like they carry him all the like, because he'll pop up randomly. Um, He popped up randomly like was it throughout season one and I think in season two too and I'm just like yes give me more like I just love little things like that even the episode where um the old Doom Patrol and like the thing yes. with the cops because I was just yeah. like you know oh yeah yeah I'm like galaxy brain turn cops into candy and or <laughs> piana, p- uh, p- pinatas or whatever yeah, and like yeah. people like beat the crap out of them and <laughs> Because <laughs> the candy's red, so I'm like, that's blood. <laughs> I love that galaxy brain. <laughs> I realize I kind of squeal with delight more during that show than any other show where I'm like, because ah! mm-hmm. <laughs> something happens it's so fun and weird, and I didn't see coming. And the TV writer in me usually sees shit coming. So I like, I'm like so excited every time something just happens that I didn't see or they continue a character four episodes later. I just, yeah, there's so much fun in it. Like, I mean, there's like that gross dude that eats hair, um, which would be beard Beard hunter. (laughs) That grossed me out every time. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to eat hair. And watch and eating beard hair is worse. <laughs> it really is, right? It really there's something so disgusting about him. And in the episode where everyone orgasmed because of Flex, and he was orgasming while staring at a beard. Uh, I know. <laughs> staring at a man's beard as he came to I just my mind <laughs> Yeah, like and then we also meet like the I can't remember the sort who's the sorcerer that like knows Niles? Oh, Willoughby Kipling, yes. who's like John Constantine. I love Mark A. Shepard, by the way. He's so awesome. That actor <laughs> <Yeah>. is great. <laughs> yeah. And there's just like characters like that that they add in that are just like like he's like a total shithead and I but he's enjoyable to watch when he's there. Yeah. Um and the the show does that really well where it's like, oh, this person's terrible, but like I'm enjoying watching them. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to get Michelle Gomez next season. So. Oh, I can't wait. And her character, I, so, uh, what is it? Lady Rouge? Madame Rouge. Madame yeah. Rouge. Uh, Madame Rouge. But um, from the little bit that I read about her, I'm like, yeah, this works perfectly. Will she oh. be a friend? Will she be a villain? Will she be both? I don't know, hmm. but I'm looking forward to it because I loved her as <laughs> Sabrina. <laughs> oh my God. She was so good, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Is she Sabrina, the aunt? Uh-huh. She is no. um, the, no. t- the teacher. Yeah, the teacher. Madam, the, Madam, Madam Satan. Yeah. Madam Satan, yeah. She was the one that was basically oh like, she would walk into a scene and like chew up the scenery in the best oh, way yeah. possible and then just pop yes. right out. Yep. <laughs> yes, I remember Next her. Level. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, she was like definitely the most enjoyable. And she was also really good in um, uh, the, the flight, flight attendant. attendant. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I liked her in that. Oh, I still um, need to watch that. Thank you for reminding me. I did me. too. Oh. I watched the first episode and I wasn't sure. I will say I was I was unsure and then I ended up loving okay. like, love, love, loving it. It's, she's I trust she's it. such a she's such a mess, but like a relatable mess, right, Justin? I you know, I think she I like the fact that she's a mess and she knows she's a mess. And yes. everyone else knows that she's a mess. It's there's no covering it up. Yeah. So when I felt annoyed with her, so was the show, and I love that. Yeah. That so. got me through it. <laughs> yeah, and and, and what's next? a cool thing is that the, one of the last scenes of the first season takes place right outside of my first apartment in New York, which is so oh, weird. Wow. <laughs> it's like this like random place in Astoria, Queens that like I my apartment was like 12 blocks from the nearest subway because it was my first apartment in New York. and I didn't even think about that shit. So it was like very <laughs> weird to see them standing in front of that apartment. Um, but anyway, um, so season one, we kind of, we like end up, they like end at, they're at Danny, the cockroach and the, the mouse make out. Um, the giant rat says, I want to spread you like the plague daddy. Oh. <laughs> <Cockroach>. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I can remember watching that being like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was not ready for that. I did not know. I had no clue that the show was going to go. <laughs> Um, and then in season two, well, so it ends with they get like they get Dorothy, but we don't even see her in the end of that right. season. Um, and then season two, we meet Dorothy. We learn, but we learned about her mother in season one, right? Or was is it not till season two? When was the love story between her season two? I believe. Oh, it is too. Okay, okay. Because I had a daughter in season one, right? Yeah, right. You know what? I'm positive it's season two because I remember like thinking wait when did we get here and then a very a very common thought during watching this show <laughs> i love that episode so yes. deeply and i for my entire career i have pitched a reverse beauty and the beast hmm. and for my entire career everyone i've pitched this to said that won't work because <laughs> Women will like unattractive men, <laughs> but men will not like unattractive women, which is a really fun well. thing to say aloud. But this has been twenty years, and I was so grateful. Someone <laughs> like that, I was like, "Look, it does work." <laughs> like you all were wrong. Look, <laughs> vindication. It really is so well done, and like I kind of didn't, I, I, I didn't know where that was going, but it was. It was really well done. I mean, what was it Pierce Brosnan? He, yeah, Pierce Brosnan. He's like he's a really good actor, and he definitely Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. Jesus Christ, not Pierce Brosnan. That was I the other James Bond. Oh, you James said Pierce Bond. Brosnan. I was like, I was, <laughs> I was like, I was high, but I would not have. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> uh, Nana gets her actors confused. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I actually did really like the episode of Dorothy and Baby Doll uh, playing, but I just was oh. nervous the whole time. And then something bad did happen, and I was like, "No, yes. like mm-hmm. can't they just?" Because it did make sense. Like, okay, yeah, like Niles putting them together made it made sense. But also, then it's like they all have like super fucking powers. Maybe like monitor yes. the children as they're playing, right? Maybe just a little. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. Season two does end slightly abruptly, uh, but as Justin had told me, it is because of COVID. It does feel a little like, wait, 
how suddenly we're here it ends dorothy like keeps seeing i'm not sure if it's specifically her mother or like someone that is like also a neanderthal cave person um but like they have like that weapon and she keeps seeing them and niles justin is it that niles feels he's gonna have to kill it feels he's gonna have to kill dorothy right yeah it's not the end of the world and then there's candle maker popping in he wants her to turn into something uh yeah I haven't rewatched it. And so like, <laughs> and they, but her it, friend writes for this show. She's so cool. And I don't, I, I can't remember most of it. I'm getting old. <laughs> but so it ends with them all being like stuck in wax, but then she takes the weapon that she keeps seeing. And that's kind of like where we leave off, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I'm a little bit more forgiving, like not to be an asshole, but like I would be, I'm more annoyed at WandaVision's like the hiccups they had with COVID than this. Like this at least like, story-wise it's like okay i get it what we're, we're still like keeping on track with yes. like the story i think yeah it felt abrupt but i also like i forgive that show a lot yeah because it amuses me the whole way through because it's so, just enjoyable to watch even when it doesn't even when it's complete fucking nonsense it's still enjoyable because there's that really really nice episode where like everyone from uh, Danny the Street comes to the house. Oh yeah! And god damn it, when Flex like lifts Dorothy up so she can like, I think it's like she can put the disco ball up. I was like, I am crying. This is so fucking touching. Like it's so love. It like that show has this under this sort of spirit of love underneath it that I. And it's really hard to like explain to people, but there's so many moments that are so sweet. Yes. In the middle of chaos and feel so earned and satisfying. Yeah, they're not, they don't feel sappy or like thrown in. It's right. Makes sense with, with the show. And it's just so nice to see because, yeah, you're right. It's like a very dark show, but we get so many nice, tender moments. I don't know. I like that. But fucking, mm-hmm. of course, I do. Um, <laughs> I guess we're at the end here. Can I throw in one more thing? Yes. They did a couple of sequences in season two, like uh, they spoofed the Avengers and cop shows. Yeah. And Cliff in a wig dresses a hooker is the funniest thing I have seen in my entire life. I forgot about that. Including there. Yeah. That's- <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess we're at the end. Um, Justin, what would you say is like one of your favorite moments? You can have more than one. I don't care. What are your favorite moments from the show? I think it's that what I just mentioned is when Cliff is pretending to be a hooker and someone touches him, he turns around and I'm like, oh gosh, he's wearing hoop earrings too. Like he's a robot. <laughs> that is my favorite moment. Uh, Stephanie? Uh, my favorite moment was uh, between Cyborg and Ronnie. Uh, surprise. Uh, it's when they're leaving um, their support group and like Ronnie gets robbed and Cyborg is like, you're ready to get into action. She's like, no, I got this. And she like takes care of the guy with her cane. And then they have that whole little yeah. interaction where she's just like, so you're really going to call the cops on somebody because they were having like the worst day of their life with that. Would you want that to happen to you? And then you just kind of see, you know, his little wheels turning and I'm like, Ooh, we're doing things and I like it. So it made me like go <laughs> yeah. into that voice too. So, uh, <laughs> So that was like one of my um, very favorite moments. And I think um, the moment shared between Jane and Cliff, um, where you see like he's really worried about her. 
um, because mm. she's, you know, going back to using the drugs that she was using before. And I don't know, like in that moment, I was just like, okay, I, I get it. Like I get this friendship and I get both of these, well, Cliff more so than Jane, because I already got Jane. But I was like, okay, Cliff, you are a yeah. bit of an asshole, but also you're trying. So I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Monica? Okay, this was a m- moment I didn't expect. But it was in season two at the beginning when they were little and the Dorothy escaped to feed the rats and they went because they thought the rats were going to kill her. But then the rat had delivered baby rats and they were sort of little admiring the beauty of the baby rats and suckling on their mom. And then Dorothy says, oh, what's wrong with the little one? It was the little um, runt oh. with the litter. And then the mom ate it. <laughs> That's your favorite moment? <laughs> it evolves into horror. And I was just like, it went from touching to vile to funny in like two seconds. And I was just, when I ate the baby rat, I was just like, what is that? I love this show. I love it. And I don't know what that says about me. Uh- that you I did are not an expect- amazing person because it was funny as shit. Because <laughs> that was just, that. I, I was like, I was so moved by the baby mice, and then I was so not moved by the eating of the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, I think, I think my favorite. I don't know. I, I love a- anything with Danny, but I think maybe like that moment of Flex Metallo. It's so weird. Like, I'm gonna have a tie. Flex Metallo like lifting Dorothy up is just such yeah. a it's so beautifully yeah. shot mm-hmm. um it's just such a good scene and then him accidentally making everyone orgasm because i one love that he's very polite about it. he's like i'm so sorry i didn't mean that <laughs> and rita is like shut up and give us a second <laughs> like i just it's I, another show would not have been able to pull that off and make it work within the context of no. the show nor would they um, have even tried, let's be honest. That's yeah. true. Also that, yeah. <laughs> like the fact that they're willing to make a man have a map, like create a mass orgasmic event. <laughs> and like, he's like a very polite man who's not trying to like do it for any other, like it was an accident. I yeah. love that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, what grade do we give the series? We probably all agree. Uh, Monica, what grade do you give I'm it? giving it an A. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie? A. Justin. Hey. Yeah, same, same. Um, thank you all for joining me for this episode. Thank you all for listening. If you like Slayer Fest 98, uh, go and rate us on Apple Podcasts because we need a few nice ratings. There are some not great ones, and I would love some more nice ones. Um, and you can also find us on social at SlayerFestX98. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places. You can support us on Patreon, which really helps keep the podcast going and is much appreciated. You can find me at Carlos. Justin, where can everyone find you? Uh, at Justin Central on Twitter. C-E-N-T-R-A-L. Wait, isn't it centric? Oh, yes, it is. Just, I always do that every <laughs> single episode. Where is it? Uh, I don't even know what my ad is. That's cool. <laughs> Just go to justinpossible.com. There you go. <laughs> I was like, am I misremembering? Um, <laughs> yeah, you're not. <laughs> uh, Monica, where can everyone find you? At Monica Breen on Twitter. And Stephanie? Uh, at Steph underscore I underscore Will, but I'm on a Twitter uh, strike, so good luck. Uh, but <laughs> you can go to uh, com to like find what I'm doing. And yeah. All right, cool. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.